people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen Furr. Hey, and welcome to Kidney Talk. We're here with Gary Godseed. I, I know you're a big wig with the PKD, and what exactly, for people who don't know, what does PKD stand for? Yeah, that stands for polycystic kidney disease. Well, where's the K? K is kidney. <laughs> oh, I see, because I was thinking, where's the PCKD? I thought it would uh, be... PCKD. One, actually one word. Oh, I see. Well, I, I failed algebra. <laughs> well, what is polycystic kidney disease, Gary? Well, in the simplest uh, explanation to that is uh, a polycystic kidney is one in which many cysts form and uh, continue to form, unfortunately, over, uh, over the period of uh, a person's life. And polycystic simply means many cysts. And um, again, they can... Um, take varying, uh, various sizes and so forth, but it does just simply mean many cysts in the kidney. And that renders it useless eventually? Eventually. There's a, uh, it's really interesting in that uh, an individual who's diagnosed with uh, polycystic kidney disease can sometimes go for years and years and years uh, before reaching end-stage renal failure uh, and can live a fairly normal life while others uh, are diagnosed in their um, their period of time until they reach a, a point where they need a transplant or dialysis. Now, do the tumors just keep growing where it just basically blocks off the blood flow of the kidney? Is that pretty much, you know, they keep growing and growing and then the kidneys can't filter anymore because the cysts are taking over the kidney? Essentially, that's what happens. The kidneys, as you know, filter the blood and they perform an, an amazing function for the body. And uh, the more and more of these uh, cysts be, um, develop, the more likelihood is that the kidney will not have the function to do its job of filtering the blood properly. Um, the kidney has about what's called a, uh, about a million of what's called nephrons inside, and those are kind of, for lack of a better word, the way the kidney um, um, takes the, the, the fluid in and disperses the fluid, and it seems that most of the cysts, the cysts are forming in those nephrons inside the kidney, so every time one forms on one of those nephrons, and even though there's a million of them, uh, it takes away that much more of the kidney function. So over time, uh, they certainly become um, ineffective in doing their job. And how, how does one get this disease? Is it, is it hereditary, or is it in the drinking water? Or It's definitely hereditary. It's a genetic disease, uh, and uh, one of the biggest challenges... Um, people face is it generally uh, you know, runs throughout their family. So uh, we can trace back families and have traced back families for generations upon generation who have polycystic kidney disease um, that have passed it down to their, to their children. And uh, if uh, the gene is, pre- is present in one of the parents, then there's a 50% chance that the children will also um, 
get polycystic kidney disease. Wow, 50%. That's that's a lot. It is. I, I know people whose families, like half of them have PKD. It's just, uh, and some of it advances more in some of the people than others. Is there some ethnic population, you know, that it's more prevalent? Often asked question, and we haven't been able, through our research or otherwise, uh, it, it appears that it has no boundaries. In other words, that it doesn't... Um, it's not more prevalent in any one race of people over the other race of people or in male versus female. So it's, um, it, it does not seem to have any prevalence in one race or gender over the other. And what about people who dress well and people who don't dress well? <laughs> it's an equal opportunity cyst, right? How, what is the current treatment for polycystic kidney disease? Unfortunately, we do not have one. Uh, the only quote and quotation mark treatment is a, is a kidney transplant. Um, once a person reaches that period of their um, disease where their uh, kidney function has dropped to a certain percentage, uh, then they uh, most likely will go on dialysis for a period of time. And ultimately, in order to survive, uh, they will have to have a kidney transplant. There is no current treatment for the disease, and it's one of the things that we're laser-focused on right now at the PKD Foundation is finding a treatment. We like to call the patients we work with impatient patients. They've been waiting around for decades for something to happen in terms of getting a treatment out there, and the foundation is... um, now laser focused on trying to make that happen. Well, you can't like shrink the cysts because there's too many of them. I mean, is that? Well, right now the cysts proliferate um, and uh, cannot be slowed down or stopped by any treatment that is on the market. Now, there are some clinical trials that are underway uh, that hope to find uh, drugs that would slow down or stop the progression of the kidney of the uh, cystic development. That's that's uh, looking promising in some circles that there may be opportunities on the horizon where that may that may occur, but currently there are no there are no treatments at all for the disease. Now, does it affect obviously probably both kidneys or does it or do you have people who it affects one kidney and not the other or what, how does that work? No, if you have polycystic kidney disease, it's generally going to affect both of your kidneys. It's it's interesting though. If you get a transplant, a transplanted kidney does not become polycystic. Do they remove both your kidneys? Some, it's, that's, that, too, is interesting. In some cases, the polycystic kidneys are not removed, even at the time of a kidney transplant. Really? I was talking to a gentleman this week in Washington, D.C., who said he still has both of his uh, polycystic kidneys while having a transplanted kidney as well. And I'm not medically versed enough to really explain why they choose to do that. Perhaps there uh, remains some function in the kidney, and having some function would be better than none. But I do know that many uh, patients have nephrectomies, where they do have both kidneys removed at the time of the transplant. Um, So it it kind of works uh, in various ways, depending on the patient, I'm sure. Well, isn't it also, too, my friend had to have it removed about six or seven years after her transplant, but it was because they get so big. 
I mean, I thought I saw like one was like 20 pounds or something. They can just become massive in size because the, the cysts keep growing and growing, and then it can become uncomfortable. Oh, it's a, it's a very uncomfortable, um, well, not only uncomfortable, but the, the kidneys become so large in, at the advanced stages that they, um, you know, I'm just going to use an old uh, non-medical term, they literally smash the other organs in your body to the point where the other organs uh, can't function at the level they're supposed to. So um, that's a real issue for people who have large polycystic kidneys. It's interesting, some people's kidneys don't advance to that size, even though they get uh, to a point where their kidneys are no longer functioning. So I guess it's like anything else in <clears throat> medically, um, <clears throat> that according to your body, according to lots of other things, that disease will develop differently in you than it perhaps might develop in me. But some consistent things are you will get lots of cysts, your kidney will most likely get larger, much larger, and some people's kidneys literally get larger than an NFL football, weighing up to 20, some of them 25 pounds each. Wow. And um, that that's really a real problem when that when they get to that stage. I can imagine an NFL football. I know. We're not talking like I don't think belly water. dancing would be a, a, a vocation, do you? Well, I tell you, when you consider, if you're an average size man and you clench your fist, that's about the size of a normal human kidney, is a clenched fist. Uh, so when you consider... Just put a clenched fist up next to a, up to a ne- uh, next to an NFL football. You've got a, you've got the understanding of the differential, and and how that would be difficult to fit it into the space just above, you know just above your waist and below your rib cage on each side. How how difficult that would be to live with. So I'm assuming that you've been through this, correct? Or no, I haven't. I'm no. uh, you're just a person who's interested in it. He's the CEO, Stephen. You got to read your notes. I understand. He's a CEO, but he could still have kidney disease. Oh, what, that's true. What what precludes somebody from being a CEO and having kidney disease? Nothing. I at this point, I don't think I have kidney disease, but I am the CEO of the organization, so I have uh, immersed myself, of course, into learning as much as I can about the disease and about the patients who have the disease. And it's a fascinating um, disease because it's so prevalent and no one knows about it. Well, that's what's interesting to me. Does this just affect kidneys or do do these cysts affect other organs? Like, yeah, can you get a polycystic Cystic heart? Uh, or, or gallbladder or something like that? Uh, you can. It's systemic. Once you get polycystic, or you have polycystic kidney disease, it is a systemic disease that, uh, once again, that is not universal, but oftentimes affects your liver and your pancreas most often. And most often, your liver is involved as well, uh, particularly in those patients who have lived many years with the disease. Um, and uh, we, uh, we oftentimes hear of well, we have a board member at the Polycystic Kidney Disease Foundation who has had both a kidney transplant and a liver transplant, all due to the fact uh, that he had polycystic kidney disease. Now, if you get a scan, I mean, would you see the cysts? Oh, definitely. It, it's the most common way that it's diagnosed. And frankly, many people walking around today don't know they have it. And what will happen is they'll go to the doctor for a sports injury, let's say. And they do an MRI or a CAT scan. 
and the doctor will come back out, and the first question usually is, do you have anyone in your family with kidney disease? And they'll say, what are you talking about? And uh, they'll say, well, you have polycystic kidney disease. It's evident on the scan, and they can actually make the diagnosis on those um, on those um, MRIs um, or CAT scans virtually immediately. Uh, it's that distinctive in the look. I went over to the Kidney Institute at the uh, University of Kansas Medical Center and looked at some MRIs just so I could become more uh, aware of the disease, and it's just staggering when you see one of those come up with literally thousands of cysts in some of these uh, patients' kidneys uh, that just pop up on the screen. Yeah, I, I've seen a polycystic kidney in person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's pretty amazing. And uh, the, it was on display, and it was sliced down the middle, you know, and they opened it up, and it's, it's pretty amazing with all the cysts in it and everything. Hey, tell us about your organization. So our organization is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. Oh, what are you doing? Are you guys going to go out and drink and stuff? Or We're what? not going to do anything special this year. We think, you know, maybe 50 or something like that might be a, a time when we would really um, mm-hmm. want to celebrate. I hope we're out of business by the time we're 50. Yes, get to find a cure. You know, you're no longer, your services are needed. On your website, you have a lot of clinical trials going on, and some are active. If if somebody's listening who has PKD, uh, could they get involved in these trials? Oh, in fact, it's the biggest need. If you talk to pharma companies or organizations like ours, they will tell you that the biggest roadblock we face are getting qualified candidates into clinical trials so that we can test the compounds that we have out there to, for their efficacy. And if I were someone interested in that and, that and I saw those listed on the PKD website, I would go to clinicaltrials.gov because every single clinical trial in America is listed on clinicaltrials.gov with a telephone number that you can actually call to see if you qualify for that particular trial. What we try to do on our website is just make those um, those uh, those trials informational uh, so that our patients can go on and perhaps see something they're interested in. And then we drive them into that website, which has who do you call, how do you qualify, all of those kinds of things. I know. It's interesting. I've been um, involved in a lot of clinical trials in my life. And I remember that uh, I was in a clinical trial of, you know, when peritoneal dialysis was basically becoming available for uh, pediatrics. And, um, you know, it's amazing because you feel like you've made a difference. You've helped other people. And it didn't really hurt me. I mean, they were just trying a new treatment. So, uh, yeah, you know, you really have to weigh the risks and benefits. But, you know, it can really help you and help your uh, peers. Well, well, what is the realistic, you know, without, you know, dreaming and stuff, realistic time that you might find a cure for this? Um, you know, I, I don't have an answer. But I will tell you. Oh, you kind of like John Edwards, huh? Well... <laughs> I just know that I, I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. Um, it's a sixty-four thousand dollar question, Stephen. Yes. But let me let me try to give you an answer to that. We have spent um, thirty years at the PKD Foundation on basic research, and because of that basic research, we've we've um, discovered the genes that cause PKD. Not us at the foundation, but scientists around the country and the world, for that matter, who have been funded by the PKD Foundation, principal investigators, and others. And they found pathways and all of those things. And, uh, I mean, we know such, so much about the disease now that we're actually moving into a, uh, 
area that we call translational research, which is to take that basic research and then move it to a point where we can start to begin to find a treatment. So this foundation is laser-focused right now, at this point in our history, on trying to find a treatment for polycystic kidney disease. And here's how we're doing it. We have um, something called Accelerating Treatment to Patients here, where we are doing a new program around drug repurposing. Drug repurposing, all that means is there were drugs invented for something else that are sitting on a shelf likely somewhere that may work on polycystic kidney disease because they work on the same pathways as, um, as polycystic kidney disease. So what we've done at the foundation is we've gone out and, and formed partnerships with these pharmaceutical companies, and currently we have five compounds that we have partnerships on. We'd like to have 25 where we are testing them on our animal models right now to try to find if any of these other drugs that were invented for another disease might possibly um, be uh, helpful with polycystic kidney disease patients. If we hit on any of those, then we take hundreds of millions of dollars out of the equation to develop a drug, and literally 10 years of a, 15, a normal 15-year process. So that's what we're doing to try to advance uh, you know, to the treatment stage now. Um, and it's really exciting work, and uh, our patient population is very excited about it as well. Well, when you have like five count compounds, so basically it's like you're a I mean, for lack of better terms, I'm trying to understand this. You have, like, you're a bartender, and you have, like, five different mixtures of stuff that you can mix together and create different cocktails. And so if you had, you know, 20 other compounds, you have more possibilities of creating the right mix. Lurie, according to you, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, huh? (laughs) Kind of a good analogy, except that we don't mix the compounds. Oh, you don't. Okay. So we take one compound. And we have a rat colony and a mice colony. Ooh, so do I in my house. Which I know, which, uh, which have, um, they have polycystic kidney disease. Do they naturally have it or do you give it to? It's, it's genetically designed so that those animals are born with it. Really? And uh, we have to maintain those colonies. You know, you can't just uh, create that and then uh, use it one time and let them go away. So we maintain those uh, mice and rat colonies. Uh, at a uh, what we call a CRO, which is a contract research organization. And they take the compounds, and our scientists, led by Dr. Jill Panetta, who works for us here at the foundation, and we test one of those compounds uh, through three distinctive stages to see if it will become a clinical candidate where you would actually then be able to test it on, on humans. Uh, and that's exciting work, um, but it's expensive. I mean, it costs the foundation about $600,000 each to test one of those compounds through the three phases, but that's really not a lot of money if you can affect the lives of people who have the disease. Yes, I mean, dialysis and transplant and human suffering is, uh, can't put a price on that. Well, you know, for people listening, where can they go? Where can they find more information about your organization? I love our website. It is a fantastic source of information. It's pkdcure.org, and it's got everything from patient support information, medical professional information, general public information. It's a great place to go to learn about the disease and um, to find out more about polycystic kidney disease. And 
if you are a patient who has the disease, I would uh, encourage you also to look at the Facebook page that uh, the PKD Foundation has developed because it's become a, a really great spot for PKD patients and their families to go to, not only to dialogue with each other, but to find out um, information specific to their disease that uh, they wouldn't be able to find anywhere else. And uh, we do a little tweeting as well. So we have a, a Twitter uh, uh, feed that we send out information on regularly. The website and the uh, Facebook page are really good places to go to right. get that information. And, and you're also developing that PKD uh, video game, too, where you have the people shoot out the cysts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, any way to call attention to the disease. Our biggest challenge, our number one challenge, and you didn't ask me this, is getting people to admit that they have the disease. When you think about it, um, there are between 200 and 600,000 people estimated in America alone who have polycystic kidney disease. And it's very difficult for some of them to admit that they have it. So therefore, it's a highly unknown disease, but one of the most prevalent genetic diseases out there. And we have people say the reason they don't admit it's really twofold. One is they don't want to be, they're afraid they can't get insurance. Mm-hmm. that if they tell someone that they've got a genetic disease that's going to require a transplant, that they're going to be discriminated against and not given insurance, health insurance. The second thing is they think that somehow people will see them in a different light and believe that they aren't able to function uh, because they have this genetic disease that uh, ultimately is going to cause their kidneys to shut down. We've got to figure out how to get more people to know about our disease so that we can get not only volunteers and others, more volunteers involved, but, uh, you know, we need more financial resources, frankly, so that we can go do the kind of work that we need to do to get a treatment in and ultimately a cure for it so that we can shut the doors here. Honestly, that's what I want to see happen. Well, do you blame them on both those counts that you... And you know what I... I listen very carefully. I've been all over the United States in the last six months, and I can totally understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, 30 years ago, if a woman got breast cancer, she wouldn't generally tell you that. Now women will most likely admit that they have breast cancer, and more importantly, will stand up and say, we're going to do something about it to make sure that other people don't get it and, and fight for a cure. So I want to see us get to that point at some point in the future where it's okay to to tell people you have the disease. By the way, this is something you didn't do anything to cause. I know. Well, you know what? One of the problems, and I hate to be blunt here, but breasts are more attractive than kidneys. We got to figure out how to make kidneys more attractive. Um, and, you know, my friend who has PKD, her mother died of PKD. She had several family members that died before they were 50. And luckily, this was, you know, there's a lot of treatment now. But before, you know, you just didn't make it. But she actually made a decision not to have children. And um, because she was had that 50% chance of passing on the gene. And, you know, I mean, it's it's a difficult thought, but, I mean, it's something that has to be discussed if you're thinking of having kids and you you may pass on this gene. So adoption or something else may be an option. There are a lot of people who definitely go through that, that thought process. Um, young, 
young people who are thinking about having children, it's definitely part of uh, of their dialogue, most of them, if they have, uh, have it in their family. I met a family in Washington, D.C. this week. Uh, we were there to do some um, advocacy work for PKD, and uh, they have nine immediate family members with PKD. Uh, nine. Nine. And uh, it's it's just devastating to that family. Well, Gary, thank you so much for uh, sharing information about you know your organization and what you're doing to help find a cure for polycystic kidney disease. And uh, I know that RSN works uh, with you in the community and trying to help get the word out to patients and family members and let them know that there is hope, but we all have to be active and involved. Absolutely. And thank you for giving me the time. I look forward to uh, talking to anyone who wants to listen about the disease. Okay. Well, please visit pkdcure.org if you want more information. All right. Well, have a wonderful day. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Thank you.